It's time now for Spears on Sports with John Spears, presented by M&M Carnage. And now, here's Johnny. Ah, made it to a Friday. Love me some Fridays. Welcome into Spears on Sports, presented by M&M Carnage. John Spears in studio. It is Friday, July 22nd. Bats back in action tonight. They host Nashville right here on the Big X. Three games set. And they'll stay home next week for a six-game set. So nine games in the next ten days for the Bats if you want to get out to Slugger Field. It's Buddy Bats' birthday tonight. Yay. All right. Maybe that doesn't do it for you. Iron Man night tomorrow night. Now, there you go. I'll be there. Three-year-old Owen Xavier wants to go see Iron Man. We saw Spider-Man about a month and a half ago. Got pictures. The whole nine yards, Owen had his Spider-Man outfit on, nothing better. Tonight, or tomorrow night, Iron Man on Marvel Night at the Bats. And if you can't make it out, be sure to tune in right here on the Big X tonight, 6.35 pregame, 7.05 first pitch, same time tomorrow night and Sunday, 105 first pitch, 12.35 pregame with uh, Nick Curran, Jim Kelch calling Bats Baseball. Weekend series against Nashville starts tonight. M&M Cartage Hotline is open, 502-384-1450, 384-1450 to join in on the conversation. Thornton's text line is open as well, 502-414-1450. Don't forget it's Summer Cash Bash at Thornton's. Each week, one lucky Refreshing Rewards member will win $10,000. That happens all summer long. The grand prize of a 2022 Chevy Tahoe. Simply open your Refreshing Rewards app, click on the Summer Cash Bash icon. You are entered. You can earn additional entries by purchasing select top brands like Mountain Dew 20-ounce bottles, hot dogs, Bud Light 12-packs, large Doritos, many more using your Refreshing Rewards card. That's Thornton's Summer Cash Bash. If you're not a Refreshing Rewards member, become one today. Text REWARDS to 80313. I got almost entirely through that live read without a mistake, and then I flubbed it at the end. It's just rehearsal, so we're good. All right. Uh, here we go again. Three, yep. two, one. Yeah, text uh, rewards to 80313 to become a Refreshing Rewards member. And hit me up on the Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. I told Jim before the show, I got nothing. I got nothing to talk about. That's not entirely true. I can talk about anything. Um, There might be some things you don't care that I'm talking about. I'm fine with that. This is my show. This is not your show. You're welcome to call in or text in and be a part of the show, but... This is my show. I can do what I want. Lamar Jackson, what is his worth now that Kyler Murray has signed with the Arizona Cardinals? Kyler Murray got a five-year, $230.5 million extension from the Arizona Cardinals yesterday. That is $46.1 million per year. He now owns the most per-year average Second spot, Aaron Rodgers of the Green Bay Packers is right at just a little bit over $50 million per year. Lamar Jackson smiling. But I think the, the Baltimore Ravens are smiling a little bit too. Because remember, Deshaun Watson got guaranteed money from the Cleveland Browns. Guaranteed money. That's different. And if Kyler Murray had also gotten guaranteed money, all of the contract guaranteed, now he did get $110 million guaranteed, $160 million injury guarantee, so he does have guaranteed money. 
but it wasn't the entire amount of the contract. That's what Deshaun Watson got. And had Murray gotten that as well, Lamar Jackson would be sitting in the catbird seat today. First of all, hire an agent. It's not going to cost you that much. Your mother as your agent has never, in my opinion, been a good move. It's never been a good move. There is too much personal knowledge there. It's, it's too close, right? You've got to have somebody work for you, not be in love with you, right? Now, he doesn't want to do that. His mom's going to help him negotiate his next contract. And it's going to be big. And the fact that Kyler Murray got $46 million a year for five years extension, that makes him seven years now under contract with the Arizona Cardinals. A guy that in the middle of the summer took off all references to the Arizona Cardinals from his Instagram page, scrubbed it all. He had two pictures on his Instagram page, in an Oklahoma uniform and in a Pro Bowl uniform. Right after the Pro Bowl, he scrubbed all the Cardinal stuff because they were at odds. Now they're married to Kyler Murray for seven years. Obviously, break up to make up there. How, how does Lamar Jackson and his mom, I guess, go into these next meetings with the Baltimore Ravens? Well, here's where I would, I would uh, start with. Kyler Murray, five-year, $230.5 million extension. Let's start there. How much higher are you going to go? Because that's how it works nowadays in the NFL. The Browns wouldn't do it with Baker Mayfield. It, you're, either, you're either going to go one step higher or you are not going to sign your quarterback. That's the way the NFL works now. Every guy, when it's their turn to get paid, they want just a little bit more than the last guy got. If Kyler Murray signs a five-year, $230.5 million extension, then Lamar Jackson is going to want five years, $231 million. It's only a half a million dollars over a five-year period of time. It's $100,000 more per year. That is like $12 more per year to me and you. But that's where you're going to start if you're Lamar Jackson. He's an MVP, a former MVP, 2019. Kyler Murray's not a former MVP. He's taken his team to the playoffs three times. Kyler Murray hasn't taken his team to the playoffs three times. So if you're Lamar Jackson, yesterday's news is great. If you're the Baltimore Ravens, yesterday's news was not too bad because the guaranteed portion of this contract doesn't have to be the entire contract. They can look at Lamar Jackson and say, the Deshaun Watson contract with Cleveland, that was an anomaly. That's an outlier. That's not going to happen. And Kyler Murray's contract proves that that's not the norm. That was an exception to the rule. So the Ravens are happy now that they're not going to have to guarantee Lamar Jackson $46.5 million a year. They're only going to have to guarantee a portion of this contract. Now, the guarantee is still going to be $120 million. It, and it amazes us as fans. We hear these numbers, and we hear something to the effect of, well, Lamar's got to make a little bit more than than Kyler Murray. And you think to yourself, are you kidding me? Lamar Jackson's not going to take $46.1 million a year, the same thing that Kyler Murray got? 
But that's the way of the NFL. No, he's not going to take that. He's going to ask for more. And it's up to the Ravens to decide. Teams have to decide. Am I going to pay it or am I going to let him become a free agent in a couple of years? Maybe franchise him for a year. And they're scared to do the second portion of that. They're scared to do it. Because what do we do if Lamar Jackson walks? What do we do at quarterback if we don't sign him? We don't have a backup that's ready to go. We don't have a backup that we think two years from now will be a starter in our league. We don't know what the draft's going to look like. We don't know where we're going to draft, who we're going to get in the draft. Teams are scared to be one of those teams without a quarterback. Because most of the time, one of those teams without a quarterback, not going to make the Super Bowl, not going to make the playoffs. And you want fans in the seats, guess what you need? Star quarterback. The Seattle Seahawks have had had Russell Wilson for years. He's gone. He's gone to Denver. Now they've got Drew Locke. And the Seattle fan base is one of the most loyal in all of sports, not just the NFL. They sell out the stadium. They show up. They're loud, the loudest stadium in, in the NFL. Will they still show up without Russell Wilson there? With Drew Locke as your quarterback? Or, or the other guy, Smith, as your quarterback? Will the fan base show up? This is what Seattle now is worried about. And that's why Baltimore's executives are sitting there saying, we got to sign this guy. His mom's going to ask for a lot of money. <laughs> Still funny to me. His mom's going to come in here, and she's going to bring some chunky soup for everybody. She's going to bring us some brownies, some uh, you know, some sort of delicacy from her kitchen. Pass these around. Everybody have a, everybody have a piece of cake here. I brought a cake, and now we want forty seven million dollars a year. It's an expensive cake. It's Duncan Hines, for goodness' sake. Lamar Jackson's in the catbird seat. But the Ravens have to be smiling a little bit as well. They're going to pay him. They're going to keep him because the alternative, what could possibly be the alternative, scares the bejesus out of the Baltimore Ravens. Got a good defense. They should compete this year for a playoff spot. They're in a tough division all of a sudden. If Deshaun Watson plays at all, you got Cleveland, you got Bengals were in the Super Bowl last year. The Steelers are not going to be down long, if, if at all. It's a tough division. You're in a conference with Justin Herbert and Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. That's tough. You can't lose Lamar Jackson. They know it. And the worst part for the Ravens, Lamar knows it too. And worse than that, his mom knows it. Maybe he's smarter than everybody else. Right? Maybe he's just smarter than everybody else. Mom's not taking 10% off the top here. Mom's getting a new house. Probably already got a new house. She's getting a new SUV. But she ain't taking 10% of my signing bonus, I can tell you that. Maybe he's smarter than everybody else. Uh, Deshaun Watson news. All right. Follow me here. Because we're going to find out, I think fairly soon, what the punishment is for Deshaun Watson. 30, I'm sorry, 26 cases. Is that right? No, 24 cases 
of sexual assault civil cases. 20 have been settled. There are four still up in the air. The NFL originally, when the negotiations with the union began, wanted a one-year suspension for Deshaun Watson. The union didn't want that. They wanted a much lower suspension. They didn't say how many games, but they wanted it much lower. Neither side would budge. So the NFL decided, you know what? We want an indefinite suspension. Forget one year. We want indefinite now. Since you wouldn't negotiate with us, we're up in the ante a little bit here. And the union, of course, said, well, go, uh, go, go jump in a pool somewhere. Probably said it a little nastier than that, but go jump in a pool somewhere. The judge, a U.S. district judge, a female U.S. district judge, will decide what the punishment will be. The hearings are all over, over and done with, and both sides are just waiting for her decision. The rumor now is that he will get somewhere between two and eight games suspension. Who sends, Who gets that rumor out, right? Who leaks that? Now, you're going to be surprised in my answer. I think it's the NFL. The judge is not happy with the NFL. The judge is not happy that the NFL let it be known that they wanted a year suspension, let it be known publicly again that they wanted an indefinite suspension. And the judge is not going to be happy about whoever she feels leaked this information that it's going to be two to eight games. Why would the NFL leak that? It's simple. You don't think of it this way, but it's simple. The NFL wants to gauge the public reaction. They want to know if there's an outrage, especially from 40% of their viewership, female viewers, if Deshaun Watson only gets six-game suspension. Eight-game suspension, maybe 10-game suspension. Is there an outcry? This guy had 24 sexual assault, sexual misconduct, civil cases, settled 20 of them, still has four pending, and he gets less than half a year suspension? Will there be outcry? Because the NFL will have the option, if this is the case, two to eight games, we'll call it eight games for now, the NFL has the option to appeal that, that uh, decision. The NFL wants to know if they should appeal that decision. So they get this information out, and they gauge the public response. It's going to be two to eight games. Hey, we're the NFL. This is a collectively bargained agreement, part of the CBA, that says we have an interim person make a decision here. We have a federal judge. We have a mediator that makes a decision. I'm Roger Goodell. I'm the commissioner. Because of the collective bargaining agreement that we all agreed to, I no longer make these punishments. I no longer decide. Hey, we wanted a year. We wanted indefinite after that. Don't blame us. Look at that judge, that female judge who gave him eight games. That's not our fault. And I have a feeling the NFL doesn't want this to go on any longer. They don't want to appeal. If this judge comes back and says two games, they don't want to appeal it. Because this is a part of the CBA that has been negotiated, that both sides have agreed to let someone else decide. If you now appeal that, it looks like you made a mistake at the bargaining table in the first place. Why would you give somebody else the power 
and now they're going to give him four-game suspension, and you're not happy about it, NFL, why would you appeal it? You're the ones in the first place that agreed to this, these terms, that agreed to have it done this way, have these cases decided this way. But you've also got a population of women that would say, hey, this is crazy. This guy's getting away with murder or just short of murder. It's a tough, it's a tough spot to be in if you're the NFL. Because I am sure they want to appeal. I'm certain they want to appeal if it's eight games, if it's two games, if it's ten games. They want an indefinite suspension until these other four cases are decided so that they can make an informed decision on a suspension. So when you hear this stuff come out, the first thing to ask is, who wants this leaked out? Who wants it out? Does Deshaun Watson can't want this out? Absolutely not. He doesn't want, to, want uh, anybody to know that a few days from now, a week from now, this judge is going to come back with an eight-game suspension. He's happy with that, ready to go to work. He'll play the second half of the season as a quarterback of the Cleveland Browns. The NFL wants people to know, hey, this is what it's going to be, we think. What's your reaction? Because based on the public's reaction is whether we are going to appeal or not. We don't want to appeal because we agreed to this in the collective bargaining portion of our negotiations. So we don't want to appeal. This was We could have said no to this originally in the, in the CBA, but we agreed to it. Now we look like hypocrites if we appeal. But if the outcry is big enough, they will appeal it. All right, a lot to get to today. Baseball is back. SEC media picks are in. We'll look at that. And I watched The Captain last night, episode two. I got thoughts on that as well. We'll uh, hit the Eminem Cartage hotline after the break. You're listening to Spears on Sports, presented by Eminem Cartage on the Big X. Back, Spears on Sports, presented by Eminem Cartage. John Spears in studio. Eminem Cartage Highline is open, 384-1450, 502-384-1450. Thornton's text line open as well. Get your text into the show at 502-414-1450. Let's go to the Eminem Cartage Hotline. Bring in Buzz. How you doing today, Buzz? I'm doing great, John. My question is, why would the NFL even allow teams to negotiate or sign Deshaun Watson before this all was settled. They they have no control over the ownership. The it, Roger Goodell works for the owners. If an owner wants to sign a player, we saw it with Jerry Jones signing Greg Hardy years ago in Dallas. Um, if the owner wants a player, they can sign him. That's, uh, they can sign a oh, guy okay. that's in jail right now. They're, they they won't, but they could if they wanted to. Yeah, I, I, I just I didn't understand that process. I'm glad you cleared it Collective up Collective bargaining me. agreement uh, is unbelievable. Um, I, it, yeah. look, it's, it's 170 something pages long. You don't want to read the whole thing, but it's like a bill in Congress, right? They put a bill out. It's a hundred pages long. Nobody reads it. They all vote on it. And there's something stuck in the middle there that nobody knows about. That's, that's kind of the same thing as the collective bargaining agreement. That's why there are so many lawyers involved. Somebody has got to read all that stuff. 
Yeah, well, I'm glad and, it's and not me. Look, the Browns gave <laughs> – and the thing about the ownership at Cleveland, Jimmy Haslam is, is the guy. They gave Deshaun Watson a fully guaranteed contract. The first year, this year coming up, he will make $1 million. Why did they do that? Because they knew he was going to be suspended maybe for the whole year, and he's only going to lose a million dollars for that. He won't get paid if he's during his suspension. So they only pay him a million wow. this year. Next year they'll pay him 40, 45, 46 million. They're allowed to do that. Okay. <laughs> I mean, look, it's, it's ridiculous. It sounds crazy. Yeah. That this guy's not barely going to, you know, like I said earlier, he's going to lose the equivalent of 12 bucks to me and you. Right. Yeah. And, and why, why do you even think about this when you know you, you've got a guy that's probably not going to play, but looking long term, I guess they're yeah. figuring he's the quarterback of the future. That's exactly what they're looking at because with a bad Houston Texans team, he was one of the best quarterbacks in the league. His quarterback rating is incredibly high. He has a, a incredibly high IQ on the football field. He has been traditionally, since he's been in the league, a great fourth quarter quarterback, which is what teams are looking for as well. And uh, he's going to give them the best chance to win. And you know, in the, at, at the end of the day, that's what they're looking for. They they put the screen up on the off the field stuff. The screen is up. I can't see any of that. This is what I'm looking for when I'm signing this quarterback. Is he going to help me win football games? And that's what the Browns are looking at. Which is the bottom line. Winning football games is what's going to do it. It is. And the fan base, if the Browns are 2-6 and six when Deshaun Watson comes back and they go, um, I don't know, they win eight games, eight of the last nine, and get to the playoffs, he's going to be a hero in Cleveland because that's what fans are all about. They'll forget all the rest They'll of the stuff. They'll forget You're all right. the rest of the stuff. And and it doesn't matter how much he had to pay uh, these women that he settled these lawsuits with. It doesn't matter how much he's going to have to pay to the other four eventually. People are going – if he brings a Super Bowl appearance to Cleveland, that's all that matters to, uh, to the ownership and to a certain number of the fans. Now, I'm sure, like any anywhere – there will be fans that give up their season tickets and say, look, I'm not going to support a guy that has done this kind of stuff off the field. It's, it's, you know, it's just like the live golf tour, um, buzz and where, where are your loyalties? What, what really makes you get angry? Right. Or what can you not pay attention to and go ahead and either play on the live golf tour or watch your, your favorite team, the Cleveland Browns, play football. What, how much will you tolerate before you say, that's it? I was a Dallas Cowboy fan for years. And I looked the other way a lot of times when they signed certain players. When they signed Greg Hardy uh, a few years, I, I don't know, 10 years ago, 8 years ago, I looked at my wife and I said, that's it. Help me pick another team. I can't do it anymore. I can't pull for this. all these guys that the Cowboys keep signing out of prison. And I, I'm now a Tennessee Titans fan. Well, I knew you were a Titans fan. I hadn't heard the Cowboys story before. Yeah, so that's years. I mean, 30, yeah. 40 years I was a Cowboys fan. So, you know, I love Troy and Emmett and Michael Irvin and Roger Staubach back when I was a little kid. I, you know, Danny White, Too Tall Jones. I loved all those guys. But when they start, when Jerry Jones started signing guys right out of prison, I said, you know what, this is not going well. <laughs> 
So I, there you I go. hear you. There you go, bud. Have a good weekend, buddy. Hey, just just real quick, because I know you're getting ready to talk about the captain, and I watched last yeah. night, and it was pretty painful, pretty painful reliving that '96 World Series. You're a Braves fan, <laughs> I take it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, but you know, the one thing, the one thing that it was, I was reminded of last night. And and first off, Derek Jeter should be celebrated because he had an incredible career. But um, Mark Wohlers, the Braves' closer, yep. had been lights out, but he was never the same after that World Series. He gave up that three-run homer to Layritz, to Jim Layritz. Yeah. Yeah, yep. tied the game. They lost him to extras. Remember that, and I know this hurts, Buzz. The Braves won the first two games in Yankee Stadium. They won oh, the first two games on the road and were coming back home. And uh, somehow, it, they, somehow they didn't win another game. Just you know, back before Dugan had the big X, where you could get the Braves games. Yeah, I would actually, I actually drove out to a few places or was out and about, and I could get uh, at the time WSB out of Atlanta <laughs> had the Braves games on, and I'd find a parking lot somewhere where I could sit and listen to the game. Now that's a fan. That's a fan, folks. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. Have a good weekend. You too, John. See you, buddy. Uh, yeah, the captain. Uh, look, I, I rewatched part of episode one last night. Episode two was on at ten o'clock last night, so I, or at nine o'clock. So I watched that. It's not the last dance, okay? It's not. It's the same people that made the ten part docu series, Last Dance, about that la- that last Bulls championship team, uh, about Michael Jordan. It's not the same because that focus was on Michael Jordan. How did he get along with his teammates? Who did he like? Who did he not like? How did he? pull the hearts out of other teams. How, you know, it was all about Mike and Mike helped produce it. He wasn't going to let anything on there that wasn't Mike approved. And Jeter's probably the same way, but this is more of a documentary about the Yankees than it is about Derek Jeter so far. Now, maybe that's going to change. I know the dynamic between Alex Rodriguez and Derek Jeter is going to be a big part of this story before it's over. But I got more about Yankees history last night in that episode. More about those late 90s Yankees teams. The fact, and Buck Showalter, who is doing a great job with the Mets this year. The fact that after they lost the 95 playoffs, lost in the playoffs to Seattle, and he wanted Buck, Buck uh, Showalter to fire four of his coaches, and Showalter wouldn't do it. So he was shown the door. Three of the next four years, or four of the next five years, I think the Yankees would win the World Series. And Buck Showalter could have been their manager instead of Joe Torre, but he would not fire four of his coaches on the direction of George Steinbrenner. And I, I look, I'm a Buck Showalter fan. I, I think he did a great job with a really bad Orioles team for a few years. Did a really good job with this Yankee team to take them from where they were a laughing stock to where. 95, they were in the playoffs, had a chance to to beat Seattle and couldn't do it. And he's doing a great job with the Mets. I give him a lot of credit because he said his dad told him, someday you're going to come to crossroads where you're going to have to make a decision and live with it, and he would not fire those coaches. And at at one point, something I didn't know, Steinbrenner went back to him and said, hey, maybe we can work this out. And he said, no, nope. Go fly a kite, basically. I think again, stronger language than that, but go fly a kite was the gist of it. And Joe Torrey was the beneficiary. But this is more about the Yankees than Jeter. We saw the 95 
playoffs in the first episode. We saw the 96 World Series uh, against the Braves. We saw 97 when they didn't get to the World Series. Starting to see the 98 year where they're going to win it again. Uh, no, they did. They beat San Diego in 98. I guess next will be 99 the next episode. But it's, it's like a Yankee re- retrospective. And I like hearing from Tino Martinez and Jorge Posada and Mariano Rivera and Paul O'Neill and all those guys. I think it's great. Um, what stuck out last night, Jeter went to a different club. And when they were at home, he'd go to a different club every night. And he still could list them. I went to this club on Monday, this club on Tuesday, this, uh, this bar on Wednesday. It was nightlife in late 90s in New York City. And he was 23, 24 years old. And he was Derek Jeter, right? Eligible, young, good-looking, bachelor, star, shortstop for the New York Yankees, hanging out with Jack Nicholson, hanging out with Puff Daddy, hanging out with uh, J-Lo. The one night he didn't go, they all got arrested. I'm going to stay home. Uh, He got a call from his buddy. Hey, we're going. Pick you up? No. You know what? I got to get some rest for the game tomorrow. I'm just going to stay home. Everybody got arrested that night. That's when, that's when you wake up and you turn the news on and you see it and you just wipe your brow a little bit, right? Jim, you've been there. I've been uh, I mean, I've heard. On the news. I've heard you've been there. Yeah. I mean, you wake up and you go, wow, better them than me. That could have been me. The A-Rod stuff is very interesting. I didn't know how good of friends they were when A-Rod was – in high school still, and Jeets was a young Yankee. It's going to be, um, you know, both shortstops, both young, both single, both at the top of their game early in their careers. A-Rod, better numbers, Jeter, championships. What's more important to one guy is not more important to the other guy. And it's going to get bad when they become teammates. I can see it coming. I can kind of remember it a little bit. Because, yeah, A-Rod was a shortstop. And when Steinbrenner signs A-Rod, hey, guess what? We got two shortstops. Somebody's got to play third base. One of you two is going to have to play third base. Are we going to flip a coin? Um, Derek's the uh, like the incumbent here at shortstop. So, A-Rod, maybe you got to find a new position. It's going to get interesting. And, and the David Wells story. In a season where David Wells threw a perfect game, a fly ball was hit to short left center. And nobody caught it, and Wells throws his arm up. And Derek Jeter, of all people, second-year player, young kid, goes up to Jeter and says, we don't do that here. We don't act like that here. Now, David Wells goes up to Wells. Now, David Wells was an um, emotional player. And it was not the first time somebody had a miscue behind him while he was pitching, and he threw his arms up or yelled at him. And the way that Jeter handled the media aspect of it. Fantastic. So it was fun last night, but I will warn you, I I, I want you to watch it because I'm going to talk about it. And uh, you're welcome to call the show and help me talk about what you saw on that show. I'm good with that, but it's not the last dance. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It is not nearly as interesting as hearing Michael Jordan talk. What Derek Jeter has to say is not nearly as interesting as what Michael Jordan had to say about his teammates because Jordan was an assassin. He was an assassin. Jeter was just a great 
baseball player who was also a great teammate and a leader. Mike was a leader, but he'd get you cut. Jeter would, uh, you know, be a leader and and tell you how we do things. We don't do it like that. He's not going to go to the GM and say, cut that guy. Mike Mike would just get rid of him and get somebody else. All right. Tired of buying expensive sunglasses only to lose them or worse? Break them or worse? You don't even wear them? You're scared to lose them or get them dirty? Well, don't worry about that anymore. Shady Rays is changing the way you wear sunglasses. They offer an industry-best combo of fit, style, performance without the big brand price tag. And it doesn't stop at the quality. Shady Rays offers the most insane warranty of all. Every pair is backed by lost and broken replacements. The um, cement mixer that was going by the house today, if I drop my Shady Rays picking up the garbage can from out front and the cement mixer rolls over them, I get a new pair. Free. The lost and broken replacement warranty of Shady Rays is fantastic. They also provide 10 meals to fight hunger in America with every order. 20 million meals to date have been donated. Look good in your shades. Feel good by making an impact. Exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is offering 25% off. So you can try them out, see what they're all about. Use the code BIGX at checkout for 25% off all adult shades. You're going to need them this weekend, at least today and Saturday, when you head out to see Iron Man at the Bats game tomorrow night. Don't forget, ShadyRays.com is where you go to get the best sunglasses. We'll take a break, come back, more about realignment. If we have time, baseball underway in the SEC media picks from the week. You're listening to Spears on Sports presented by Eminem Cartage on the Big X. Welcome back. Spears on Sports presented by Eminem Cartage. John Spears in studio. Final segment of the week. I'm ready to just go home, take a nap. Naps are great at my age, by the way. Got the grandson for a while today. Picking him up at 3.30. Getting jacked up for Iron Man tomorrow night. He's a Hulk guy, okay? His favorite's Hulk smash. Every time Hulk comes on, and, and look, am I a bad grandpa, Jim? No. Because I let uh, a three-year-old watch the Avenger movies? No. Okay. I've got to. Because I question that. When my nephew was 10, I watched. I let him watch Die Hard with me. Mm-hmm. That's rated R. There's no sex. No. A lot of uh, gunplay, a lot of violence. Some language. Great movie. And a, little, <laughs> a lot of language. <laughs> he was 10. I got a little grief for that at home. I got a little grief. Uh, not necessarily from the wife, but, uh, from my, in my, uh, in-laws that said, you let him watch what? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What mm-hmm. uh, was it uh, on TNT? Was it cut in any way? No, no, no. I put the DVD in. We watched the uncut version. Last summer I introduced my son to a bunch of the eighties, nineties action flicks oh, last man. summer. And There's nothing better than Dow. Yeah. And watching, you know, Beverly Hills Cobb Commando. Oh yeah. Predator, Arnold. Terminator. Eddie. Stuff like that. So, you know. He, he'll watch The Avengers or uh, Captain America, and, you know, it's there. there's comedy there. There's uh, Saving the Planet. There's a lot of good stuff. But, you know, there's a lot of violence. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. And he'll jump off a, off a couch while Pop-Pop's laying on the floor and just 
do a suplex on me. He'll, he'll land on my back, and I'll be in traction for a couple days, but that's okay. And he loves the Avengers, but Hulk, Hulk's his favorite. Every time uh, Mark Ruffalo comes on the screen, he's ready, ready for him to turn into the Incredible Hulk, little Hulk smash. But he'll love Iron Man tomorrow night. So looking forward to that. That's my weekend. That's my weekend. Tonight, nap, watch some baseball. Tomorrow, casino in the morning, bats game at night, and then Sunday, recovery from bats game with the grandson. 384-1450 if you'd like to join in on the conversation. 502-384-1450. That's the Eminem Cartage Hotline. The Thornton's text line still open as well. Get your last-minute text into the show at 414-1450. SEC media picks were in. I asked John Hale about these yesterday. They weren't in yet, but they're in now, and it's, it's interesting, to say the least. Georgia was picked to win the Eastern Division. No shock there. They got 172 uh, first-place votes in the Eastern Division. But there were nine other votes that they didn't get. Kentucky, drumroll, was picked to finish second in the East by the media voting. And they got four first-place votes. I thought they'd be top four, maybe third, uh, behind Tennessee and Florida, but Second surprises me. Tennessee got one first-place vote. They finished third overall in the Eastern Division. Florida, no first-place votes and fourth place. South Carolina and Shane Beamer, the head coach, got three first-place votes. Picked to finish fifth. Missouri sixth, Vanderbilt seventh. Now, the most surprising thing about the Eastern Division media votes is not that Kentucky finished second. It's not that Kentucky got four first-place votes. It's not that South Carolina got three first-place votes. It's that Vanderbilt got one first-place vote. They also got one first-place vote to win the Southeastern Conference. Somebody needs their media vote taken away. All right? I don't know how clearly I can state it. Clark Lee, the head coach of the Commodores, said during SEC Media Days, Vanderbilt is on the way to becoming the top program in the nation. Now, I don't know if he meant medical program. I don't know if he meant uh, athletic, uh, academic program. I don't know if he meant baseball program where they've been near the top. He certainly could not have meant football program, but somebody took it that way. Somebody was listening and wrote down, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to vote for Vanderbilt because their coach believes in them. Vanderbilt will not win a game in the Southeastern Conference. There's my prediction. They will not win a game by the Southeast Conference. In fact, I'll go this far. They will lose each game by double digits in the SEC. And I will take a pie to the face uh, in the middle of, I don't know, pick a place. Who's got pies? In the middle of the homemade pie and ice cream kitchen, I'll take a coconut cream pie to the face if Vanderbilt wins a game in the SEC, an SEC competition. But they got a first-place vote. Alabama obviously got 177 of the 181 first-place votes to win the West. Texas A&M got three first-place votes, picked to finish second. Arkansas garnered a first-place vote. They're picked to finish third, followed by Ole Miss, LSU, Mississippi State. And oh, how the mighty have fallen. Auburn picked last in the SEC West by the media. Alabama 
158 points uh, was picked to win the Southeastern Conference. Georgia had 18 points, South Carolina three points, Texas A&M one, and Vanderbilt one point, one vote to win the SEC. I don't put a lot of stock in these things preseason. I mean, everybody's got their opinion. I picked the Angels to go to the World Series, so nobody's perfect. But if you pick Vanderbilt, it would be like me having picked the Oakland A's or the Baltimore Orioles in the preseason to go to the World Series. It's crazy. So to pick Vanderbilt, I don't know what I don't know why you're even there. I don't know what you're doing. Um, but there you go. There are the picks. The picks are in. And somebody loves the doors. Somebody loves them the Commodores. And I'm not talking about Lionel Richie and the musical group. Somebody loves the Vanderbilt Commodores. Crazy. Yeah, that hey, that's old school there. I went there's a lot of people who go, well, what's he talking about? I know Commodores, yeah. Easy like Sunday morning. Oh, three times a lady. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh. Lionel could sing now. Wasn't the you know, MTV hurt Lionel Richie because he was not the prettiest man in the world. No. No. And then he MTV hurt a lot of people. <laughs> Once you saw what they looked Whew. like constantly. Yeah, MTV. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's why you're on the radio. Well, wait a minute. That's him? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah, that's him. All right, Astros swept the Yankees yesterday, 3-2, to 7-5. to five. Uh, A couple of makeup games from the early season, um, you know, lockout where they had they got to make these games up. Here's, here's the question. Who's better, Houston or the Yankees? Because conventional wisdom throughout the entire first half of the season was Yankees, the best team in baseball. They're going to break the record for most wins in the regular season. That's probably not going to happen now. The the Mariners, I don't know how the Mariners won 116 games in 2001. I have no idea. They didn't win the World Series. But the Yankees were on pace for a while. They're now on pace to win 112, and it just keeps dropping a little bit more um, as we go along. But they're still 64 and 30, right? They're still 34 games over 500. But here come the Astros, 61 and 32. They're now only two and a half games behind the Yankees in the American League. And they're trying to catch the Yankees. The Yankees are going to try to hold them off for home field advantage in the American League Championship Series. That's what this race is all about now. Because the Yankees are not going to lose the East. The Astros are not going to lose the West. They're going to have the two best records in the American League. Who is going to be the home team in the playoffs? That's all they're playing for now. But the Astros have won five of the seven head-to-head meetings with the Yankees this year. They've been the better team. Period. And I've said this about the Yankees this entire season. They are going to hit a lot of home runs. They're going to walk a lot. And they're going to strike out a lot. And if you can stop them from hitting the home runs, you're going to have a chance to to beat them. And that is what happens here. The Astros have Justin Verlander, Framber Valdez, uh, Urquidy. They've got three, four star pitchers, really good starting pitchers. They've got a good bullpen. Aaron Judge hit a home run in the ninth inning of the second game yesterday that went up on those railroad tracks in Houston. Um, but it was 7-2 to two when he hit it. It didn't really mean anything. The Astros pitching beat the Yankees hitting yesterday, and they've done it all year, five out of seven games, as I mentioned, and they don't play again. They're done. Season series between the Yan- Astros and the Yankees is over. Aaron Boone said after the game, let's don't overstate 
how important these games against Houston are. It doesn't matter when October gets here. You know what? It matters right now. And if the Astros overtake the Yankees for the best record in the American League, if they do get home field advantage by, let's say, a game or two at the end of the year, guess what? These games did matter. These games did matter. And I, I know what Aaron Boone's trying to do, the manager of the Yankees, he's trying to say, look, we're, we're, we're 34 games over 500. We're fine. Well, when it comes to it in October, we'll show up. We'll be there. Astros are going to show up too. The Astros are going to show up too. And they've shown up against the Yankees here in the regular season. And I'm not saying the Yankees haven't shown up. The Yankees have good pitching as well. But if the, you can stop the home runs, you can beat the Yankees. It is conventional wisdom, and it has been ever since Bob Gibson was thrown for the St. Louis Cardinals. Conventional wisdom is good hitting beats good pit. A good, I'm sorry, I knew I'd screw that up. Good pitching beats good hitting. And more years than not, when you get to the playoffs, that adage comes true. Simple. We're not going to allow home runs. We're not going to put you on base. We're going to play good defense. And we are when we bat, we're going to go first to third on a single to right field. We're going to steal a couple of bases like the Astros did yesterday. We're going to manufacture runs while you are trying to hit a two and three run homer every time at, at bat. And when that happens, we're going to strike you out because you're going to swing at sliders, at cutters, at the curveballs in the dirt, you're going to swing, and you're going to swing hard because the Yankees, Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, um, Matt Carpenter, DJ LeMahieu, Aaron Hicks, those Glaber Torres, they're not cutting down on their swing. They're not. They're swinging for the fences. And good pitching wants you to swing for the fences because guess what? I'm throwing it 78 miles an hour in there, and it's going to go away from you, and you're going to miss it. If you had a boat oar, you weren't going to be able to hit it. I still think the Yankees are the favorites. The money, the money play right now to get to the World Series is Houston. It just is. All right, Reds tonight. Start their second half. Ed asked me yesterday, are the Reds going to lose 100? I said no. They start a home series tonight with St. Louis, 640 on Bally Sports, Ohio. Adam Wainwright for the Cardinals. Graham Ashcraft for the Reds. Give me the Reds tonight. I like Ashcraft. Wainwright's really good, but he's uh, 62 years old or something like that. So I, I, now, I'm, now I'm interested in Reds games. I don't know why. Ed challenged me yesterday. Are they going to lose 100? No, they're not going to lose 100. They're better than they were in that, when they had that 3-22 and 22 start. You start 3-22, and 22, you should lose 100. But they played better. They're not going to lose 100. They're going to trade Louis Castillo. I hope they don't, but they're going to. Been a fun week. Back at it Monday. I'll see you at the Ironman game tomorrow night. Bats versus Nashville. You can listen to the Bats all weekend right here on the Big Act. Thanks for listening. Spears on Sports presented by Eminem Cartage on the Big Axe.